Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Are y'all ready to jump into the Word this morning? Well, I'm still going to, whether you're not, or whether you are or not. Amen. That wasn't a very enthusiastic amen, but uh, I'm always excited about the Word because the Word always has something good to give us. Amen. So let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us this morning. We ask for your anointing, Lord, because without your anointing, we just fall flat. Father, I pray you anoint this word. It'll go forth, Father, into the hearts of everyone listening, Lord, through your anointing. You'll open us up to hear. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that whenever we leave this place, we will be different because we have been affected by the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I uh, titled this message this morning, A Close Encounter. And uh, it got me thinking a few weeks ago, whenever we celebrated Pastor Rick and Miss Joyce's retirement, Clinton got up here and he talked about hearing stories over and over and over. In fact, I think he actually mentioned the number 1,000, which I think is grossly exaggerating. Nevertheless, you know, Pastor Rick and I had been running together for a long time, and we did a lot of crazy things, and so I have to tell you about an encounter that uh, Clinton spoke about that day, because some of you all were out there going, I have no idea what he's talking about, and so I just wanted to be a blessing this morning and bring you all in up to date with what it was Clinton was talking about, because he talked about cows and snot on my arm, cow snot on my arm, so... Here's the story. Pastor Rick and I went rabbit hunting one day, and the ladies had told us that supper would be ready at a specific time at our house. And so we were to be back at that time. Miss Joyce, would you have ever thought in your wildest imaginations that we would not have listened to your directions whenever you gave us such specific ones? But nevertheless, we're out hunting, and we looked at the clock, and it was past the time whenever we should have been back. But it was good that day, remember? I mean, we were just having a great time. Sun had already gone down, and we decided to make our way home. We were driving down the back road out in the middle of the desert in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and Pastor Rick had a little pickup that the back end of it was jacked up, and so the headlights kind of shined right down at the ground. So you could only see about eight, nine feet in front of you. And uh, because we were late we felt like there would not be any law enforcement on this road. So we were running exceedingly fast because we knew the consequences of being late. Pastor Rick and I have been abused by our wives quite a bit, so we were scared. So we're driving down this highway and um, it's a back highway. We came up over the top of this little hill and we were going down into a dip where the water would normally flow if it ever rained there, which it doesn't. And in the middle of that dip was, I don't know what, you think three or 400 black Angus cattle? Had to have been that many. Maybe five or six, but I'm thinking five or 600. They were standing right in the middle of the road, all these dumb cows right out in the middle of the road. And so, I mean, they were in the middle of the road and we had no place to go but into the belly of a black Angus cow. But somehow or another, through Rick's driving and God's hand, he's turning that steering wheel back and forth. We made it through all those cows. I don't think you ever let off the gas pedal. I think we were still going about 85. We might have even been airborne. I don't know. But somehow or another, we got through that. And the windows were down and my arm was out. And whenever we got through it, I looked at my arm and there were cow snot on my arm. 
I don't really think there was, but man, that was a good point. You know what I'm saying? Just added to the, the, the validity of the story. And we've told our kids that story. We came home. We told the girls about it. They were still upset at us for being late, but uh, they should have been used to that already. But I'm telling you, that was a close encounter. I mean, it was a close encounter. I think both of us shook the rest of the way home. I, I will say this. There was almost a whole lot of hamburger made that day. Wow, that was close. Well, this morning, I really don't want to talk too much more about cows, but I might slip it into the sermon two or three different ways. I want to talk about close encounters with Jesus. Because out in the foyer, there's a, a banner out there on the wall that says, Jesus changes everything. And I can tell you this from personal experience. I had a close encounter with Jesus Christ about 40 years ago, and it changed my life. It changed my life in a way that I can't even today begin to describe to you. I am not the same person as I was before I met Jesus Christ. I'm better. Amen? I imagine many of you can identify with that same idea that there was a, came a time in your life where you had a close encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, the encounter that I had was I, I experienced His love. That's the first thing I ever experienced from Jesus Christ. Literally, He sat down on the pew next to me, and I mean, I couldn't see Him in bodily form, but I'm telling you, I've never in my life been loved like I was that night. I just, I just fell apart, and I was a tough cowboy. I had a big belt buckle, big boots, and pants that were all ripped out down at the bottom because that was the cool way. I, 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 just, I just started bawling back there. That's all I could do was ball. And that ultimately led me to the altar where I accepted Jesus Christ. But I have to tell you, it was because of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Over the years, I've had many, many other encounters where I came into proximity with the very presence of the Almighty God. I've been healed. I've been set free. I've been touched and ministered to so many times, I can't even begin to tell you this morning. But I will say this, it took a close encounter with the man Jesus Christ before my life could be affected in the way he wanted it to be effective. The definition of encounter this morning is to come upon face-to-face. -face. This morning I want to talk about an encounter in the Bible in Mark chapter 10. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there, Mark chapter 10, this is a face-to-face -face encounter that I believe is one of the most amazing encounters in the Bible. So Mark chapter 10, and if you want to scoop all the way back towards the end of the chapter, this is the story. Now they came to Jericho. As he, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called to the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Man, this is a great story right here, man. There just isn't any other way of looking at this story but to say, man, that's a great story right there. 
You have this encounter with Jesus Christ, and you see, this message is just the beginning of several messages that I'm going to be preaching over the next few months that, that talks about encountering Jesus. Because, folks, that's what Christianity is all about. It's not about attending church. It's not about being a part of a religion or being a part, a member of a church. It's about having an encounter with Jesus Christ. So often, whenever I was early on in Christianity, I'd be ministering to somebody, preaching to somebody, uh, witnessing to them, and people would say to me, man, you're really religious. And I'd say, man, I am not religious. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I had an encounter with Him, and He changed my life. Many of you in this room can identify with that. It's not about being religious, but it's about having an encounter. What is it? A face-to-face with Jesus. Let me just tell you something. We can solve the world's problems with a face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Come on, folks. All of the stuff that you're looking at on the internet and on the evening news, we could solve all them problems if there was more people had a face-to-face with Jesus. Come on. Can I just go a little bit further? Because this is what I know about y'all. There's not one single person in here that doesn't have a problem. Now, you may lie to yourself and say, I ain't got no problem. I'm good. But we all got problems. All different kinds of problems. In fact, I'd be, I'd venture to say that probably there is more problems in this room than there are people in this room. Because I'm just going to tell you, I've been afflicted. I have multiple problems. Amen? Do you want me to name them? (laughs) Some of them have human names. (laughs) I'm not going to name them. Blind Bartimaeus had a face-to-face with Jesus, and it changed his whole life. So let's just talk about Blind Bartimaeus' story for a little bit. Jesus was passing by. That's the whole crux of this whole encounter. Jesus came passing by. Blind Bartimaeus had probably been in the same spot for many, many years, begging, a blind beggar, and people were giving unto him time after time, day after day after day. But on this particular day, Jesus was passing by. And I tell you, man, whenever Jesus is passing by, there is an opportunity for a life change. Amen? There's an opportunity for a community change. There's an opportunity for a family change. There is an opportunity for a a nation to change whenever Jesus is passing by. You see, there comes a time in every life whenever Jesus passes by and, and, and enters literally the parameters of my life. That's what, that's what happened with me. That's what happened with so many of you all in here. Jesus was passing by, and, and he came into the very core of our lives. How we respond to Jesus whenever he's passing by literally makes an eternity of difference. So what's going on? In the mind of Jesus as he passes by. I have to tell you, just from experience, it was hot. It was a dusty day there. He was on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus was literally only a few days off from the day he would be crucified. The crowd noise, can you imagine what it must have been like that day as Jesus literally passed by? Because you see, he had literally reached the apex of his popularity. Are y'all following me? I mean, hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of thousands of lives that have been touched prior to this moment. And now there is throngs of people literally around him. So the crowd noise must have been mind-boggling. But you have to understand, in the back of his mind was just in a few short days, I will be going to the cross. 
One can only imagine what was going through Jesus' mind. I mean, if I would have been Jesus, I would have been, I would have been worried about those 12 guys that are running with me. Because I was constantly have to tell them, oh, ye of little faith. I wonder what Jesus was thinking. What about blind Bartimaeus? He's there in that same spot that he had probably been time after time after time, as I said earlier. But you have to understand that approximately 70% of our perception is by sight. So blind people, i.e. blind Bartimaeus, compensated for the loss of sight with other senses. So blind Bartimaeus is probably there. He's sitting. He, he probably feels the wind as it blows across his body. He probably heard the footsteps of all the people that are walking by, very acutely attuned to these footsteps uh, of all the travelers. I imagine that he smelled the various products that were on the, the, the carts and the wagons as they went by, the dates, the olives, and, and the list just goes on, the smell of the oxen whenever they came by. Probably a very honest smell. But whenever you look at the life of blind Bartimaeus, I believe he can teach us something. You see, we find in this passage that, that literally the cry of blind Bartimaeus, the cry of, of, his, of his mouth, literally stopped God in his tracks. I mean, that's what's happening. Jesus was going by, and the cry from blind Bartimaeus literally stopped God in his tracks. And in the midst of that stoppage, blind Bartimaeus had an encounter, a very close encounter with the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Whew. That's good. That gave me chill bumps. So this morning, I think we got to take a look at what was so special about this prayer, because you see, that's really what it was, is a prayer. What was so special about this prayer that stopped God in his tracks? The first thing you got to look at with blind Bartimaeus is he had some things against him. The man already had three strikes, and I want to go over those three strikes. First of all, Bartimaeus. That was his name. It means son of the unclean. It means defiled. The Old Testament designation of unclean was used of lepers and those with bodily issues. Many times fluids coming out of their body weren't supposed to be coming out of their body. His father was evidently a person that long had some type of defilement, thus Bartimaeus, the son of the unclean. I mean, how would you like to have that on your mailbox? Son of the unclean. Or maybe wear a t-shirt, son of the unclean. Maybe the driver's license designation. So whenever the cop pulls you over and he's like, oh, he goes, okay, you can have that back. You're, get on your way. You see, if his father was called unclean and his son, his son was blind, if ever God seemed to be against somebody, it's this family. So his name was against him. You know, my mom wanted to name me Max Leroy. Thank you, Jesus. And believe me, she had it in her because she named my oldest brother Sanford Orville. Yeah, I call him Snorville Orville. But I'm just saying, man, if I would have been a Max Leroy, I just don't know how I would have ever grown up. Okay, never mind. There's a lot in the name. He was also a beggar. He was so poor that he made his living literally from one mill to the next, by sitting on the street corner and begging. Alms for the poor. 
alms for the poor. His clothing was probably nothing more than rags. He was exposed to the weather, the heat, the cold, the rain, so on and so forth. He probably did not have the opportunity to bathe very often. Blind Bartimaeus was more than likely a very pitiful sight. Not only was he had a strike against him as his name, not only did he have a strike against him as being a beggar, but he was even one step below that because he was a blind beggar. But this is the great thing about Bartimaeus that we can learn from his life. At least he knew he was blind. You go, well, what does that have to do with anything, Pastor? Well, you see, that's better than so many people today that don't even recognize their need. Because, I mean, man, we're born in America. We're the great nation of the United States of America. We got it going on. But I got to tell you that America is, is no less needy than any third world country that's out there, folks. We may have it economically, but I'm telling you, there's some problems with the United States of America. And there is problems with Americans in the United States of America. And you go, well, my political party is the best. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. You see, we all have problems. Well, I was born in the South. I'm proud to be a Southerner. I was born in New Mexico. I eat green chili. Ah, so there, you know. So we've got, we've got all of these things that we, we say about ourselves, you know. I, I'm proud to be a Watson. I'm really not even a Watson. My grandfather was adopted by a man named Watson. I should be a Heinz, and I should be rich from selling ketchup. See, sometimes we just don't, we, we think about ourselves in this context, but, but we, we so seldom really, really recognize our own need. The first step to change this morning, folks, is to be a person who recognizes our need for change. So blind Bartimaeus, he, he knew that there's no remedy for his situation except some kind of divine intervention you see, back then they had no such thing as laser surgery. Come on. They didn't have any such thing as all the medical marvelous things that we have today. Blind Bartimaeus was blind, and he knew he was blind. He knew there was nothing going to change in his life outside of a divine intervention. So Bartimaeus have, must have heard some way of this man that healed the blind. Because you have to understand that, that Jesus had been around for quite a while now, and the news more than likely had come back to blind Bartimaeus and said that Jesus could heal the blind. You know, in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5, 5 this is what it says. It told of this future Messiah that would heal the blind. Listen to it, Isaiah 35, 5. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. There are at least six different recorded cases of Jesus healing the blind before this encounter with blind Bartimaeus. So blind Bartimaeus could very likely have heard, hey, this guy can heal the blind. Or maybe he just had heard he's just a healer. And so he figures, hey, if he heals bodies, this is a problem with my body. I need some healing in my eyes. So blind Bartimaeus, he heard the crowd. And the crowd more than likely somehow or another had communicated to him that it was Jesus passing by. And so, as he sits on this corner, not being able to see the crowd, not being able to see the exact moment that Jesus might pass by, he began to think, how in the world can I get this healer's attention? Here you go. How can I get this healer's attention? 
My mother-in-law was being dropped off by my father-in-law. My father-in-law had very, very bad hearing problems. They were in a pickup, and she uh, wanted to get out and run into a store downtown, and so my father-in-law never even got off the road. He just stopped, and she jumped out. Whenever she shut the door, her fingers were shutting the door. My father, not, not being able to hear, just drove off. So went my mother-in-law. Somehow or another, I don't know, she got a signal to him, stopped. She had fingers that were mashed, but, but you have to understand in the same way, how in the world do you get somebody's attention? I imagine she was screaming. She's got one of those sharp, uh, sharp, uh, high voices, but blind Bartimaeus, how do I get his attention? Well, maybe if I just start crying out, maybe if I just start shouting in his direction, he realized that Jesus was probably his only hope. Jesus was the only one that could save him from this, this destiny of blindness. Jesus was his only hope. You see, he had probably been blind for many, many years. Jesus was his only hope. And can I just say this? Jesus is our only hope. In my wife's medical condition, we have exhausted all the things that doctors can do for us. It's all exhausted. We've did all the things that we can do medically, and we, for the last many years, have said, Jesus is our only hope. But man, what a good hope he is. Amen? See, here's the problem with most of us, because we got to recognize that Jesus is our only hope. And for whatever it is that we might be going through today, whether it be something in your family, something in your health, something in your finances, regardless of what it is, whenever we recognize that problem and we begin to cry out to God, many times, have you noticed this? And, and, and let, me just, let me just give you a life and times of J.D. Watson. A lot of times, the first time I cry out to God, it's kind of wimpy. Seriously, it's kind of wimpy. I know my back's up against the wall. I know that, you know, I got to have help. You know, if it's a financial situation, you know, I, I got to have help financially, God. And so I cry out and it's kind of wimpy. I say, oh God, you see what's going on? I ain't got no money and I need money. And, you know, but it's kind of wimpy. You, and let me tell you why I think sometimes it's kind of wimpy because it comes from our head. It comes from our head. And what we do a lot of times, see, is we go, okay, I'm going to cry out to Jesus because I know that's what you should do. And we cry out to Jesus. But in the back of our head, what we've got going on is we've got, hey, I could still borrow it if I need it. You know what I'm saying? I can still get it from First United Trust, 100% interest rate, you know, compounded minutely. I can get it if I have to have it. So if God doesn't come through, I'm okay. Sort of. We could amen that right there if you wanted to. I mean, because that's the way it is sometimes. Many times when we cry out, it's just pretty, pretty feeble. Sometimes we cry out to God from our heads and not our hearts. Because you see, that's where God wants us to cry out from. We, we pray many surface prayers. But you got to think about blind Bartimaeus whenever he first started crying out. Now just run with me on this one. Let's say it's one of those surface kind of prayers. He's probably not going to stop anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just blind Bartimaeus. I'm just some goober sitting here on the porch, I mean on the curb, and he's probably not going to stop. And so, you know, hey, Jesus, have, have mercy on me. 
have mercy on me, son of David. And what happens immediately is the crowd starts giving him discouragement. The Living Bible gives the response to blind Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus the first time. This is what it says in the Living Bible. I like it. The crowd told him to shut up. <laughs> hey, shut up, blind Bartimaeus. It's Jesus and he's busy. He's going to Jerusalem. You shut your mouth. See, whenever you start seeking God and you start saying, man, I'm, I'm getting in on this radical stuff because that's what Christianity is, folks. Christianity is not for the tame of heart. Christianity is for people who say, man, I want to get everything I can of Jesus. I want to have all of it. And you start going after him passionately. You start going after him with all that is in you. I will tell you what's going to happen. Be sure that the world is going to discourage you. They're going to think that you've lost your mind. Hey, I've been there before where I thought people have lost their minds. People are going to say, you're wasting your time, man. You're wasting your time. You're throwing your life away for nothing. You see, but they don't see what you see. And that's important because where I'm at this morning is we need an encounter with the Son of the living God face-to-face -face with him. And you're sitting there saying, well, you know, I don't have any financial problems. I don't have any health problems. My family's all doing good. I'm good, folks. I'll tell you something. We all still need a face-to-face -face encounter with the Almighty God because there's more than we have today. And we can get it with that face-to-face -face encounter. Many times, even more troubling than what the world gives you is the response from the religious world. The church Whenever you start desperately seeking after God, they're going to say, hey, whoa, 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 slow down a little up there, feller. You're moving too fast. We don't do those kind of things in our church. Folks, there's churches today that if you raise your hand in the sanctuary to give glory to Almighty God, by the way, it says that we can lift, lift our hands and praise Him with uplifted hands. They'll say, oh, you're getting a little bit too rowdy there. Come on. Others are going to say you're getting too excited, getting too fanatical. Many are afraid of, of the altar because they're afraid of what their friends might think about them. Hey, if I go to the altar, you know, my friends may think I really got problems. We all got problems for heaven's sake. So there's the discouragement of the crowd, but there's also this thing, and I just want to kind of throw it in as a, a footnote, but there's always this thing that's in the back of my mind. Watson, are you compromising? Beware of compromise. Let me read you a little story about uh, a young lady named Kara Sue. She, uh, Kara Sue told that before she got married, she and her fiancé, David, remember David, very important name, met with a minister to discuss their marriage ceremony. One thing brought up was the lighting of the unity candle from the two individual candles. Couples usually blow out the two candles as a sign of becoming one. Their minister explained that many people were now leaving their individual candles lit to signify independence and personal freedom. Okay, y'all ready for this? Unity candle, two, two flames come, they make one, you blow it out because the Bible actually says the two become one, okay? So the preacher goes... But you can leave your candles lit if you want to after you light this one candle to signify your independence and personal freedom. 
pet peeve of mine. He asked if they wanted to extinguish their candles or leave them burning. After thinking about it, David, the fiancé, said, how about if we leave mine lit and blow out hers? Oh, yeah, you're right. Went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Let me just tell you what was said in that office immediately after he said that. She said, excuse me? <laughs> Folks, I read that story because that's exactly the way it is with God. It didn't work with her, and it doesn't work with God. Some think that they can have God and they can have the world at the same time. God has no rivals. His name is Jealous. He's a jealous God. He wants all of us, every bit of us. I mean, if you think about that, husbands, wives, I mean, just, just, just go with me on this for just a second. I mean, what if you had to share your spouse with another person? It just wouldn't set well with me. I'm just telling you, Renee's mine. I'm hers. And no, none of this sharing, it's, it's literally unthinkable that anybody's got a sane mind. But yet the Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I will tell you this, in the kingdom, the way God looks at things, there is no neutral ground. You're either for him or you are against him. See, if you are having one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, on the boat at the same time, you won't stay there very long. Just saying, beware compromise. You see, ours, as I said a while ago, is not a religion. It is a relationship. We're not perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, some of you are close, but... but we're being perfected. One of these days, folks, we're going to be walking down the streets of gold with one another. And I'm going to look at you and go, man, you're perfect because that's what it's going to be. But I can't do that yet. I can say you're almost to some of you that will require me to do that. But nevertheless, I think blind Bartimaeus cried out from his head. And because of that, I think Jesus kept on walking. People are saying, shut up, Bartimaeus. And then all of a sudden, I think it happened. I think it went from his head to his heart. And blind Bartimaeus got desperate. Because you see, just a few short steps, and Jesus would have been outside of blind Bartimaeus. I mean, yeah, Jesus would have been outside of the ability to hear blind Bartimaeus' cries. The second cry was from his heart. A man asked a lifeguard, how can you tell when someone is really in need of your help? When there are thousands of people on the beach in the water and in the water making tremendous amounts of noise. The, bar, the lifeguard answered, no matter how great the noise and the confusion, there has never been a single time when I could not distinguish the cry of distress above all others. I can always tell it. I believe that's the way it is with God. In the midst of all the babble, all the confusion of life, 
I believe that, that Jesus never fails to hear a soul that cries out to him in desperation. Jesus heard the desperation of blind Bartimaeus' voice. I'm convinced of that. And whenever he heard the desperation in blind Bartimaeus' life, listen to what happened. He stood still. God, God stood still. And whenever God stood still, it set up a close encounter. Man, I'm so glad that sincere, desperate prayers make Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, stand still. We sometimes wonder if we can influence God Himself. I mean, think about this. Can we, human beings, little bitty ants here on this earth, I mean, if you've ever seen the pictures from outer space of what earth is like, they've got, they've got uh, uh, explorers that have gone deep into space and turned their cameras around and took pictures of earth, and, and, and we're so insignificant in this little community of planets that we live in. I mean, to, to where, you, you know, it just looks like we're so tiny, and in the midst of uh, we're so tiny, we still, we live here on this little piece of ground called Macon County, you know, and I mean, some of us live on these little roads. Like, I live in Harmony Hill Road because everybody in my road is happy. We're in harmony with one another. So, you know, you think about how insignificant we are, but yet we can influence the maker of the universe. You go, how can we do that? The human cry heard from blind Bartimaeus literally stopped God in his tracks. I think this morning, if you want to touch God, blind Bartimaeus should be the person to study, to see about what it was about his prayer that literally arrested God's intention. First of all, blind Bartimaeus was willing to face human ridicule to have an encounter with God. Blind Bartimaeus was desperate. Blind Bartimaeus, I feel like, had no other way out. Jesus was his only answer. The more they told him to shut up, the more determined and the more focused he became. Getting to Jesus became his all-consuming passion. I'm just going to be very honest with you. I think those last cries were pretty loud. I think the first few might have been, Hey, Jesus, ow, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I think the last ones were deafening. Are you all there with me? Can I just do one just so I can demonstrate Oh, you guys are not you party poopers because I really wanted to give you one. I mean, I think he was screaming with all that was in him. I mean, them veins on the side of his neck were bulging out. I see blind Bartimaeus as having a little less hair on top as normal, and I think even those veins on the top of his head were popping out. Are you all there with me? Because I think with everything that was within him, blind Bartimaeus began to all-consuming passion. I've got to arrest the attention of the Almighty God. And then all of a sudden that contact came, that face-to-face encounter, that close-up encounter with Jesus Christ. People came. Jesus stops the whole procession. And I don't know, maybe he's 25 yards away. Maybe he's 50 yards away. Maybe he's 100 yards away. And he's still hearing the voice of blind Bartimaeus screaming at him. So Jesus stops. 
And here are these people that are just, just a few moments ago, the hypocrisy of all of this. They're just a few moments ago telling him to shut up. Now what are they saying to him? Oh, cheer up, Bartimaeus. Come on, get on your feet. Jesus is calling you. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. If I'd have been blind Bartimaeus, I'd have bit him. So all of a sudden, he's ushered into the very presence of Jesus Christ. He's ushered into the presence of Jesus Christ. He's face to face with the creator of the universe. Man, folks, we just got to think about that for a minute. See, whenever you get into the presence of Jesus, everything changes, man. I've been there before whenever I've been so down. I mean, the world has just piled on and piled on, and I just felt like there was no way I could go on another day. The cares of the ministry, the cares of my own personal life, the cares, the cares, the cares, and I just felt like there's no way I was ready to give up. I didn't even have the energy to pray. I just came in and just knelt down, and I just said, Jesus, because it's really all I could muster. I couldn't tell him about all the garbage that was going in my life. I couldn't tell him about the feelings I was having on the inside. I couldn't tell him that it just felt like I didn't have another ounce of energy to go on. But I tell you, man, all you got to do is just muster up enough to say the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if it's from the deep down innermost part of who you are, he hears it. I don't know where he was headed that day, but he stopped and he came back to the place where I was kneeling and he goes, man, what can I help you with? And whenever I left that encounter with Jesus Christ, there was nothing I could not do through Christ who strengthens me. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, a supernatural power, a supernatural energy began to infuse in my human body. And all of a sudden, man, this encounter with Jesus Christ changed everything. The amazing thing about it was it didn't change anything because all those problems were still there. I just knew with Jesus, it was going to be okay. Hallelujah. When you get into the presence of Jesus, it changes everything. Whenever we packed up our belongings and we moved from Montana to Franklin, by the way, that's been 18 years ago. We celebrated our 18th anniversary on the 4th of July. When we pulled in here to Franklin, they were shooting off fireworks everywhere. And we thought, man, this is such a welcoming community. And we realized it wasn't for us. But when we packed up and came this way, I have to be very honest with you. We left a lot of stuff in Montana. We just didn't need it anymore. There were things from my children's ministry days, like hundreds and hundreds of things from children's ministry. We literally took and threw in the trash can. We had a garage sale. We didn't sell everything. Our next door neighbor was having a garage sale the next week. So we took everything over to her house. Here, Misty, sell it. Just sell it. Get all the money you can for it. She probably gave it to somebody else to sell. The fact is, though, we had to leave some things behind. We just had to. We had to leave them behind. In our lives, folks, that's something that has to resonate with each one of us, is there are probably some things we're going to have to leave behind whenever we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
Folks, I had a lot of friends that I'd run with for years. We were drinking buddies. We were partying buddies. We were into mischief buddies, and mischief is a real calm word for what we used to do. I think sometimes it was called felony buddies, but we just never got caught at it. But whenever Jesus came into my life and I had an encounter with him, I'm going to tell you, I had to get rid of some friends. I had to. I can remember the first reunion I had with my friends after uh, I got born again. I went to a little party that they actually threw in my honor. Everybody, they bought a couple of cases of beer and they were cold and we went to this beer this beer party and they're hand, trying to hand me a beer. And I said, man, I don't drink anymore. Well, why don't you drink? You got a problem? Something wrong with your stomach? I said, no, man, I got, I got saved three weeks ago. I, I don't, I, what, saved from what? What happened? Did you get hurt? No, I had to explain to him. But I realized at that moment that those same friends that I had run with for all of those years could not be my friends anymore. And so that's when we met up with the Blues, and they've influenced me in a good way. So blind Bartimaeus was in the same boat. If you think about what happened when blind Bartimaeus heard Jesus calling to him, the Bible says that he threw aside his cloak. His cloak was very important to his life. See, a cloak in those days and times actually had significance as to who you were in society. And blind people had been given a specific cloak with a certain set of colors in it that would distinguish them from the rest of the population. So whenever you drove by, I mean, walk by, <laughs> they didn't have cars back then, but whenever you walked by them and you seen somebody wearing that cloak, you could know that they were indeed blind, that they're not out there begging and they should be working somewhere. Are y'all following me? And so you could give to them knowing that the contribution would be a good contribution. So uh, unlike what we have today, all you have to have today is a cardboard sign, and you have no idea if they're driving a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce or if they really have need. So blind Bartimaeus, whenever he jumps up going to Jesus Christ, as he's been called, he throws aside his cloak. He literally throws it down on the ground. A demonstration of, I'm leaving this old life behind. Because that cloak defined who Bartimaeus was. That, was. that was him, poor and blind. It could have very well been his only possession that he owned. And it was a, a, a real act of faith that with sight, he would never be a blind beggar again. He would probably have to have had a cloak positioned over his knees to literally catch the coins as people threw them into his lap. Throwing off his cloak showed that he believed he wasn't going to need it anymore. We all have to throw off cloaks. Never before in the history of the world is there more hypochondriacs than there are today. Folks, we, we, we as human beings get proud of our sicknesses. I mean, we really do. And I think doctors set that up. They come in and they give you a diagnosis and they basically said, the doctor says this, you know something? I ain't never seen it this bad before, ever. You got the worst case. And they're lying through their teeth. And so you go out and go, oh, well, praise God. I got it worse than everybody. I'm going to brag on that for a while. Yep, it's in my jeans. <laughs> never mind, you guys aren't getting it. We get proud of our sicknesses. We talk about them all the time. For heaven's sake, get up and get that cloak on the ground and go towards Jesus and say, man, Jesus is my healer. It is by His stripes that I am healed, and I believe it with everything that's in me. 
He's mine. Blind Bartimaeus threw his cloak beside, his dependencies beside, those things that bind us, those things that, that, that put us in the middle of circumstances we should never be in. The cloak that Bartimaeus had can also represent our thinking about ourselves. The cloak defines us. We have to throw off the definition of who we think we are. Anybody ever in this room say this? I can't. I just can't. I can't do that. See, I only have an eighth grade education, and I just can't do that. Come on. Well, if I try that, I just know I'll fail. I'm bad. I'm ugly. It breaks my heart to hear young people today saying they're ugly. Because I'm telling you, these young people believe they're ugly. They get on the internet and there's all of these things that tell them what they need to look like, what kind of body shape they need to have, what kind of clothes they need to dress in, what kind of makeup they need to put on themselves, and that's boys and girls doing it. And I'm just saying, you know, guys, you're beautiful, man. These kids are beautiful, but yet our society has pushed them into this, into this place where they believe they're ugly. There isn't anybody in this. Let me just tell you something. God has never made an ugly child. Now, there's some children that act kind of ugly occasionally, but God's never made an ugly kid. Come on. There's a place for an amen there. I mean, y'all are sitting next to your kids. You should be saying amen. We need to take our cloak off, and we need to come to Jesus. We need to, we need to really think about ourselves in the context that Jesus thinks about us. In Isaiah 46, 40, I'll be able to speak here in just a moment. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as the leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Boy, isn't that a good scripture to focus on. A lot of times that's what we think. I'm a loser. I just sin all the time. I just never can't get it right, so on and so forth. Let me just encourage you to do this. Don't think so much about that scripture. Think about this next one. We got to embrace this next one. This is Isaiah 118. It says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, get this one, they shall be white as snow. They are like, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. See, we got to think about what Jesus thinks about us. So what do you want to see Jesus do? Because that's the next part of this. Jesus literally asked blind Bartimaeus, he says, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Now, can we just stop right here for a minute? Jesus knew this guy was blind. Are y'all there with me? It's not like a surprise. Blind Bartimaeus is being led up there And Jesus looking at him, he said, I have no clue what's wrong with you. Jesus knew what was wrong with him. Come on. But yet, stupid question of the day. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Well, you know, I stubbed my toe today on the way down here to beg because I'm a blind beggar and it's bleeding. Will you touch my toe? (laughs) I mean, what do you think blind Bartimaeus is going to say, Jesus? He's blind. He's a beggar. He's literally an outcast of society. He is son of the unclean. Are you all there? He says, I want to see. That's what he told Jesus. Can I, let me just interject this. I don't know why we have to ask. Because see, that's where Jesus is going with this. 
Jesus knew. Jesus knew he was blind. Jesus knew he was going to ask him to heal his eyes. But yet he asked Bartimaeus. He said, I want you to verbalize that, Bartimaeus. I want you to tell me what it is that you need. I don't know why we have to tell him, because you know what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8? Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask Him. That's what it says. So I'm thinking, man, if He already knows, why doesn't He just go ahead and give me the stuff I need? Well, because in James, just a few pages later, in the second half of James chapter 2, it says, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. So you see, there's this thing with God. He wants, he wants us to be clear about what it is that we need from Him. And Bartimaeus was very clear. Jared, if you'll come and help me close this this morning. Sometimes our prayers are literally all over the place. We want answers to all of our problems all at one time, and I'm very guilty of that. We want health, we want deliverance, we want finance, we want a job, we want this, we want that, and we say it all at one time. But whenever you look at the life of Bartimaeus, I will tell you that he had more than just one problem whenever he was standing in front of Jesus. Are you all there with me? I don't think whenever he got healed that all the problems in his life went away. He might not even have had a place to live for all I know. So he's standing in front of Jesus. He's got all these problems. But the number one most important thing for him was, Lord, I want my sight. <clears throat> and you see, in this room, many times we got to narrow it down. And it doesn't mean that Jesus is not interested in all the other things that are problems in our lives. But sometimes we got to narrow it down to that one thing. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times when we pray for everything, it's prayers that are coming out of our head. But boy, whenever you can take time and narrow it down, Jesus says, I'm telling you this way, I'm going to tell you where I'm at. I've got a lot of needs. I've got a lot of wants. But it's all getting narrowed down. I've got to have my wife healed, Lord. That's where it's at for me. I have got to have her body healed and restored. It seems like every time I kneel down, there's only one thing I can think about, one thing I can pray about. And that is, God, you've got to heal her. She's been with this stupid thing for 25 years, Lord. It is time. It is time. And you see, this disease just takes just a little bit at a time. It's like every day, there's just a little bit less of her there. I'm believing. I'm believing. Because you see, this prayer has gone from my head to the very core of who I am. This morning, I want to have a prayer time at the end of this message, but I want to prep you for it right now. Ask for that one thing that you really need. That one core issue, hold it up to Jesus. And just a little side note here, Blind Bartimaeus got healed. He said, man, your faith has made you to be able to see. And that very instant, his eyes were opened. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus. How often as a pastor, I've seen people who have been in a real bind like blind Bartimaeus. And they've cried out to God, and they've cried out to God, and God answered them. A miracle took place in their life. 
and they didn't do what blind Bartimaeus did. The Bible says blind Bartimaeus followed Jesus. I've seen people that God has done miracles in their finances that have literally turned their backs on God in the coming weeks, the coming years, not even serving him anymore. But yet God did a miracle for them. This morning, whenever God delivers you, whenever God touches your life, whenever God brings to you that close encounter, that face-to-face -face where you're changed, I, I encourage you, to put it all aside and just follow him today. Well, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ here in just a moment is going to pass by because I've been praying about this message. I've been believing for this message. And I said, God, we got COVID here. How do we pray for one another? How do we do this? And he said, I'll be there. Well, if you're here, God, we don't need to worry about anything else. We just really don't need to worry about whether we call you at the altar or we pray for you where you're at standing because see, whenever Jesus passes by, there is this opportunity to have an encounter with him, that face-to-face -face meeting with him. And I believe this morning he's going to be passing by here in just a matter of moments. And Jesus has the answer to your problems. Maybe in the past you have some kind of superficial prayer. You've prayed for Him as you've sought Him. Maybe you don't feel that you need the Lord all that badly, but the truth is we all need a close encounter with Jesus Christ. Oh, to have that close encounter with God, the God of this universe, folks, it will change your today. It will change your tomorrow. It will change your eternity. And I can speak from experience because that's what it's done for me. So what does it take to have that close encounter I've been preaching about all morning? Are you willing to come to Jesus this morning? Are you willing just to lay it all down and say, Jesus, I got to have you and there's nothing else. To leave that part of your old life behind and to know that from this day on that you'll never be the same. Hallelujah. Father, we just place this in your hands today, Lord. And God, I believe that your presence is going to infiltrate this building, Lord God. That your presence is going to come into this building, oh God. That you, God, in the same way, Father, that you are manifest in front of blind Bartimaeus' life, Lord, tonight. I mean, today you're going to be manifest in this building in front of every life that is here, Lord, that has need. Every life, Lord God, that is, is some way, Father God, reaching out to you right this minute, Lord. I believe, Father, there's going to be a whole bunch of close encounters. Those folks that are tuning in via the internet, Lord, right where they're at in their homes, God, you're there. Your presence is there, Lord God. This morning, if you're in this room and there is something that you're saying, oh, I need an encounter with, oh, I need an encounter with Almighty God. I need an encounter with Jesus. There's things in my life that are amiss. There's things in my family, things in my finance. My health is a wreck. I, I challenge you right now, just wherever you are, just begin to stand all over this building. If you're home this morning and you can stand, I challenge you as an act of faith, just begin to stand. Wherever you are in this building, just begin to stand. And by standing, you're saying that as Jesus is passing by, as His presence is coming through this building, you're fixing to cry out to Him and you're going to ask Him 
You're going to ask him for whatever it is you need because Jesus right now, he is in this place and he's asking each one of us, what is it that he wants, that you want him to do for you? I believe that God can do the miracle you are standing for. I believe that he can touch your health with his amazing hand of healing and your health is, is perfected from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, regardless of what the doctors have said, you can be healed. Cry out to him this morning. Call on Jesus this morning and throw off your cloak and accept the future he has for you. This morning, if you're standing, I'm going to ask you right now as you stand to just begin to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you to heal my body. I need you to touch my finances right now. Just begin to do it. Just cry out to him. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my house. I need you to come into my life. I need you, Jesus, to heal my wife. I need you. I need you, Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way but by you, Jesus. And we just cry out to you, Lord, as a body of believers. You see each one of us individually this morning, oh God, as you seen Bartimaeus one-on-one, -on -one, a conversation between you and him, an encounter between you and him, Father. We believe for it, Father. We believe for it, Father. We accept, Father God, that you want to change our lives in such a miraculous way, Father. We look to you to touch us, Father, in a, in a way that only you can, to heal us in a only, way, only a way that you can. I pray for deliverance in this room, Father God. I pray for deliverance for those watching, oh God, that have sickness in their bodies. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed by the power of the living God. Hallelujah. Be delivered from your infirmity. Be totally set free from your sickness. Hallelujah. <coughs> we glory in you tonight. We glory in you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't come to you this morning begging, Lord God. We come to you as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We come to call on your amazing storehouse of riches, O oh God, that have been stored up for us, Lord God, to meet our every need, to give to us all that we need for life, O oh God, all that we need for living on this planet. You have already prepared. <clears throat> You've already prepared it for us, Lord. And we just believe for it, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. I'm believing for a miracle for all kinds of people in this room. Look around and you see so many people standing and believing for that touch. And I believe from this message this morning, from this encounter with Jesus, lives are going to be changed. Lives are going to be changed.